Welcome to Between the Bullet Points, a podcast series that celebrates the journey and lessons about vocations and career paths. My name is Sean McDonald, and I'm your host for what I know will be interesting and insightful experiences from a variety of professionals across an entire spectrum of occupations. When we look for a new job, it's standard that we submit a resume, which contain bullet points with job titles, responsibilities, education, and other information. However, we rarely share the thoughts and stories that occur between the bullet points, and those can be some of the most significant parts of a person's career. This project seeks to inquire more about a person's professional journey that is not always evident from their resume. The career stories that guests will share are unique, interesting, and seldom told. I believe that each of our stories should be shared, as they can be inspirational and lessons for other people to start or influence their career paths and decisions. We're here today with uh, Mr. Andrew Leibowitz, who is a forklift technician. Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Thank uh, you. Thank tell you. us a, a little bit about yourself and what you currently do in, in your occupation. I am uh, 44 years old. I am a forklift technician for Barkley Brand for Don. Uh, they're in uh, South Plainfield, and it's a Yale forklift dealer. So I cover repairs, maintenance, diagnosing, electrical, everything on a broad range of different kinds of equipment. Now, you've been with this particular company uh, working at this job, if I calculated right, <laughs> somewhere around 16 years yes. or so? Yeah, it was uh, okay. August 15th, 2005, exactly. Um, was uh, So, yeah, I think it would be 15 years, 15, okay. 16 years, yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. And in the scope of your kind of, uh, I say daily duties, but I know you, you do many things on many different <laughs> yes. days. So uh, what kind of things, when you say forklift technician, uh, would would they typically do? What do you Oof. uh You can come across um, load wheels, bed, uh, cracked frames, uh, trucks that need maintenance, uh, trucks that won't start, hydraulic leaks, trucks that need wheels, like drive tires, safety inspections. We also do genie lifts. And then once a year, the genie lifts need to be inspected. Annual inspections. Uh, it's that, That's one of the things I love about the job is, mm -hmm. you know, no matter what, it changes from day to day. Now, I've personally come across this topic, really. I mean, I, I uh, mechanics, <clears throat> yeah, it's in my background. Right. And uh, went to school for that. And whenever we think about fixing things, we think about mechanics. We always think about auto mechanics. And then there's these special things of, oh, I want to be a heavy truck mechanic right. or, you know, work on other things like that too. Rarely does it come to mind right now, but it has recently uh, to be kind of forklift. And, and when we say forklift too, we also expand into other things like right. you just mentioned, a genie lift yep. and, and some other things like uh, that that are related to that, but it's not always just hey hop on a driving <laughs> forklift and and that's it. There's a variety of things. So tell us a little bit more about like the demand of this job and mechanics in general for forklifts and and I, I'm getting a better picture of it, but I think you have the best picture <laughs> of of the demand for these types of mechanics and and why they're in demand. Well, I could tell you right now. Um, I mean, I. I I knew it was in demand, but the COVID crisis kind of really brought it out a lot. Um, just the amount of supermarkets and hospitals we were going to. And, you know, you don't think of it until that machine breaks down. But it's like, oh, my God, I got, you know, 
four pallets worth of COVID tests stuck in a loading dock right now that I can't get upstairs. You know, it, 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 it was, it, it was amazing during this, during this period, but it's nonstop on demand. I mean, literally as of yesterday, I was scheduled to do maintenance at a customer. I got there, pulled the truck over, started greasing it. And I got a call from another customer. All four of my forklifts just went down. <laughs> my in-house mechanic is on vacation and I have tractor trailers lined up down the street. You got to get here. And I got to stop, clean up and get over there and, you know, bail them out. And, you know, it's, it's nonstop on demand pedal to the floor. 90% of the time, 80% of the time. It, it, I love it like that. I, otherwise I would get bored. <laughs> sure. And you mentioned the whole COVID crisis and that really brought out a lot of jobs that, you know, we, we now term as essential. Right. And you realize, and, and especially now add to that where we are and what's going on. So the physical location where we are is central New Jersey. Right. And, you know, with a, a corridor between us, New York, Philadelphia, and, and, and all that, you realize that we're in this central hub of transportation, distribution, it's one of the reasons why we have distribution centers and right. warehouses and all that popping up like mushrooms yes. uh, on a very, very <laughs> uh, damp location for a yeah. long time. So now they were literally like popping up yes. overnight. Uh, and and obviously to run that amount of freight oh, through these things, yep. whether they're on trucks or railroad or, you know, going into our airports and cargo, right. they all rely on forklifts yes. and material movers of some kind that, that need to keep moving. Hundred uh, percent. Whether it's COVID testing materials <laughs> or vaccines or um, just day-to-day products, right. you know, when we had the the slowdown in certain products, paper towels and right. toilet paper, yep. you know, it was, they had to get to the stores. So, um, God forbid if we ran out of toilet paper. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, the other part of this equation too is 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 not only telling people about the demand and what's out there and they're needed everywhere and, and once we announced a program that we were going to help support uh, the training of beginning forklift technicians just getting them to the door suddenly we had a number of of people and companies right. uh distributors and and much like the company that you work for saying we want to partner with you you know we want to we want to be there because there is such a demand right. so when people go into mechanics and and again i go back to you think of automotive mechanics, right. which is a great start. Yeah. You know, it's all related to that. But, you know, do I go into automotive mechanics? Is there a better opportunity there? Or do right. I go into being like material handling and forklifts and things like that? So if I'm going to compare them side by side, what would you say is the major differences in the forklift and material handling industry? Um, I feel like I'm in, a, I'm in a good position to answer that for you because uh, I, I ran the whole gamut of dealerships and all that stuff too and i feel like um the only thing that is comparable to them is that both both sets of mechanics are turning wrenches otherwise it's i feel like it's a much civil environment in the forklift industry i feel like automotive was more cutthroat and it was, oh, i'm on flat rate time i'm gonna i want to grab that car and bang it out and i don't care who's in my way and the forklift industry it's you know these are your customers these are your trucks if you're in the shop, you know, you go go work on that truck there. You know, you don't have someone else breathing down your neck who needs that time to work on that truck. You know, it's I feel like the the learning curve is is more is easier with the forklift industry, and I, I, personally, I think it's a much better uh, it's a it's a it's a 
more mechanic friendly industry, I think. So it's an hourly rate job, yes. salary. You okay? So yes. typically, yeah, I, I get paid by the by the hour. Uh, yeah, it's 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 great. Now, does uh, and we'll get into some of these questions too sure. later on of, of exactly what you got. But um, for just the beginning sake here, right now. Are there other things that add to kind of like your worth as far as the hourly salary goes, such as certifications, experience, time? Yeah, I, uh -huh. I, I took all of my certifications. I'm the kind of person that w when I get into something, I want to I wanna max it out. And when I first started here at Barclay, they set me up with a, a training program. And I passed passed my tests, took all my certifications, and I'm, I'm uh, an elite service technician. And I wanted to make sure I covered everything. So I'm turret truck certified. I can go propane, electric, diesel, gas, up to about 36,000 pound capacity trucks. I have a CDLB with air brakes. So if need be, I could fill in for the flatbed driver. Obviously I'm a forklift certified, I could drive him. But yeah, I made sure I took all my tests, passed everything, and I can I can work on whatever whatever Yale is building. Good. So when you you do that and you say you've gotten all your certifications and especially while you're working for this particular company, uh, I try to relay that in many different ways right. in, in different jobs and aspects to, to students. And even when we talk about college and, and things like that, and some people are like, oh, I'm going to get my bachelor's, I'm going to get my right. master's right away, and then I'm going to go get a job. And, and part of the discussion then becomes, well, wait a minute, you know, like, first of all, do you think you'd want to get some experience first and right. then work on some things? And secondly, who's going to pay for some of these things like right. certifications? So um, I'm going to assume at this point, and you can, you can correct me or do whatever, that you did not lay out much of your own personal money in order to get certified in a variety of things. No, I didn't lay out anything. Barkley uh, has in-house classes. Mm -hmm. I'm also a certified trainer of they sent me to Berea, Kentucky, where the propane trucks are built, and set me up with that class. Yeah, and I, I never laid out anything. Barkley puts you in the class. And that, that's one thing that I do love about them is is they see you as an investment. And, you know, they, they, they're going to take care of that investment. And they'll put you in training classes and, you know, try to guide you along the way. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it was the only thing I laid out was for my tools. <laughs> that's, that's That's it. That's great. That's great. It's, you know, it's, it's a wonderful way to do it yep. because unfortunately a lot of people are, are thinking they, they really need to go kind of like, you know, a, an extra mile in order to get the job, first of all, but with the, the right type of outlook, the right type of maybe beginning training right. a way in, uh, and then you can work on that. So there's many companies out there with a lot of different jobs that are willing to support and see their employees as an investment right. um, because with the more training and education they can get while they're there right. it's going to help the company it's going to help the customers and it's also going to help you because you're going to get make more money right and it, it kind of it's a win-win for everybody yes. so uh and then you're even more valuable yes. to to the company and customers and all that too so before we kind of do a flashback let's just uh also look at this aspect that we know you have a lot of experience and, and we're going to talk about your pathway in order to get there but someone who wants to become a forklift technician, there's, there can be a relatively easy enough path in order to get there. Uh, I, I'm thinking you can kind of fill that in a little bit more. But with that being said, what kinds of, what's the kind of person 
that it takes to be a successful forklift mechanic? What kind of skills should they have? Okay. Uh, and kind of like what, what could they expect in the very beginning of a job like this? Okay. Um, I would say what kind of a person you need to be open to learning. I feel like with all my years of experience, I, I wake up every day saying I'm, I'm going to learn something new every day. And, you know, we, we have an amazing staff of people that I can call when I'm stuck on something. And I'm like, wow, I didn't know that. You know, and, and learn every day. Um, I feel like you need to be somewhat of a people person. Um, you know, the customer, you pull up there, he's already angry. His truck is broken. He's got freight in the street. Uh, you know, maybe he's taking his frustrations out, not necessarily on you. You just got to just let it roll off, fix his truck and move on. Skill-wise, if you are mechanically sound and you can turn wrenches and it, it, I, I feel like it's more common sense in the beginning. You, you know, don't do what's going to hurt. You're going to get hurt. The trucks are average 14, 15,000 pounds. You know not to lay under it. Don't put anything under the wheels. I feel like skill-wise is something that could be acquired if you're open to learning. Mm -hmm. I think you'll be you'll be fine. Okay, well that's that certainly leaves a, a good room for opportunity for a Absolutely. lot of people. So they just need to know about a lot of stuff. All right, so let's let's back up because let's sure. let's 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 go way back now. <laughs> kind of like you growing up, you grew up out in New York. Yes, yeah, Staten Island. Staten yep. Island. Okay, not too far away. No, but, uh, no. <laughs> cross cross a river or so. Yeah. Um, or the kill or whatever it is. Yeah, the Great Kills. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which always threw me off about that name, but that's okay. That's that it means something else. What kind of things did you enjoy growing up, and and what kind of do I know you you had some family that that did some stuff, but tell me about kind of like you know were you thinking of your future in a in an academic way? No, you... I, I, unfortunately, I was never a good student. I know this is going to sound crazy, but my dad put me behind the wheel of a forklift when I was six, and. I know it sounds crazy that that's something that you would be hooked on, but I, I was hooked. And when I wasn't on a forklift, I was drawing pitch, pictures of them, <laughs> waiting till the next time I can go to work with my dad. Otherwise, I was playing with my cars and riding my bike and, you know, working on my bike and things like that. But mostly it was mechanical things and fast things and speed and cars and things like that that I was mostly focused on okay good you grew up in staten island with your family and you have a, a brother sister and yes. parents and your your parents were workers yes right? my uh my dad was a uh, plant engineer for my uncle's company i got i definitely got my work ethic from my dad and my wife to this day will tell you that i am exactly like my dad <laughs> uh, but yeah he was always working i thought and still do think he could fix and accomplish anything i was lucky to be the the robin to his batman you know i got i was just always a sidekick and it, i was happy to be there um my mom my dad worked hard enough where my mom was able to stay home and raise you know myself my brother and my sister she went back to work when i think my brother and sister were maybe nine and she actually just retired last year she was hired as a front desk person uh, at a podiatrist's office. And mm -hmm. within a year, she was the office manager slash medical biller. And she ran that entire office and did all the medical billing up until about a year ago. And she is, she my, my mom is, forget it, she's always behind me, always supportive. And it, 
I, I was very lucky to grow up in a house like that. It, it, the, the house that my parents raised us in is the house that I inspire mine to be. To this day, we're all very close. My brother and sister are, you know, we're very close. My um, brother works for my uncle as an account manager. And we, we go to the car show together every year. We're, you know, we're always together. He calls me with car questions and stuff like that. And my sister is uh, a teacher in um, her temple. Yeah, she's a pre-K teacher. So growing up, I'm always curious to this question because, uh, you know, we, we can only refer to what we know, right? right. So I, I, I know my family growing up, uh, you know, my dad went to college and, and he had an education job. But um, they always told us, the, the, the kids, that, you know, you, you are going to college. Right. And, and by the way, you are paying for it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you're, you know, you're going to get your college degree and, and then I don't care what degree you get, whatever, you're going to get a good job and that's it. So that was kind of like their mindset in a way that, you know, they didn't pick out what jobs they, they said, oh, you'd probably be good at this or whatever. That was the kind of pretty much the extent of, of the guidance on some of that. But the expectation was there right. for that. So, you know, how was it in your family with, with the expectations for your future and, and maybe career, job, any of that? Um, I'm going to have to refer back to my dad again. <laughs> uh, my dad hammered into me that you're going to go to college, you're going to go to school, work hard, you know, in school. And he, I think he saw that I was not a good student. And he took me to work with him when I was always there when the plant was closed. He took me to work with him once when it, when it was open and, you know, everything was running and all the guys, he's like, look how hard everyone works. And you know, I don't want this for you. You have to work, you know, better. And unfortunately it backfired on him because I fell in love with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, everything was school is very important school, school. And um, I, I told him I was going to go to college and, as I got older and we realized I'm more of a mechanical person, he was like, all right, then you're going to go to college for automotive. And, and that's what I did. Okay. So that, that's always interesting. There's, there's not a right or wrong here. I, I don't believe, you know, <laughs> obviously you can go to school for anything right. and, and do whatever. And there's a lot of great careers out there. Whether yes. you actually have a, a certificate, a two year degree, four year degree, no degree. Right. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities yes. out there, and you certainly are a testament to having a great career, doing something you mm -hmm. love, having great benefits, and and all the things that come with that. Whether that's a, you know a pretty good paycheck, right. and you know living living the life that you want to live. So that's it's always just interesting in how we get there, and, and some people have more of a narrow view to, to kind of like how you obtain a better future. Right. And some people say, no, you have to get that college degree. It's got to be a right. four-year degree and you do that. So not always the case, but that's part of our education, yes. right? It's what we have to do. All right. So when you left high school, you actually did go to college. Yes. How did yes. that turn out? <laughs> it was a nightmare. Uh, I went to Alfred State College uh, for automotive. And uh, I, I, there honestly wasn't one good thing I can say about it. Um, I don't. I don't know what their idea, what their idea of a curriculum was, but I mean, it, it was 1995, uh, 94, uh, that I was there and they were still teaching us carburetors. You know, it's like the, now that I look back, I'm like, they, they weren't even looking towards the future of where, you know, things were going. Um, I, it, it was, it was, it was a nightmare. Um, I hated being that far away from home. Um, 
uh, I'm a mama's boy. I miss my family, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I just, it, it was, it was horrendous. I tried, but the, the teachers were just not, I got, I would raise my hand. They're like, we have too many kids in the class to help you. Oh, okay. Um, one, one of the instructors, uh, said, uh, he was yelling at a kid for not coming in on time. And he was like, Andrew can get here on time. That's all he's got going for him, but he can get here on time. You know, it's like, nice. Nice to be <laughs> this an is right. And I wind up going back to my dorm. It's, you know, 26 degrees out and pitch black. And I'm like, you know, I'm spending my parents' money. I'm, you know, I'm trying. And all I have going for me is that I can show up on time. Like, you know, it, it was, it was absolutely probably mm -hmm. one of the lowest times of my life. And I begged and pleaded to my parents to let me come home. I think that that was one a very disappointing time for my my parents to you know have me come home. Mm -hmm. My dad said he goes you, if you want to live here you got to either go back to school or find a job. Yeah, my mom and I were sitting in the living room watching television, and an ad came on for Lincoln Tech, and I was like this looks good, and we literally just got in the call. We, I think we called and they were like if you come down right now we can get you into this semester, and we got in the car went down filled everything out and I think. That was like a Thursday. That Monday, I started at, at Lincoln Tech, and it, it definitely turned things around, and boosted my confidence because I was I was a mess at that point. <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh, just review that real quick. Sure. You went to uh, Alfred College. Yes. And uh, for automotive. Yes. And how long was that program? Uh, I think it was it was a two year okay. program. Yeah. So it would be end with an associate's degree. Yes. Uh, in there, so much like what our our typical our, our county colleges kind of do that as well. Out of curiosity, sure. how did you pick Alfred College to go to? Uh, I think just looked up colleges that offered automotive, mm -hmm. and it was um, Alfred. I think Coble Skill was for diesel, and. I feel like it might have been Del Delhi uh, for automotive, okay. and we were like, we're gonna shoot for Alfred in Delhi, and if not, Coble Skill, I'll, I'll be a truck mechanic. Then, I got all three accepted, and I think we we looked at all three, and Alfred seemed like the way to go, mm -hmm. and boy was I wrong when we when I got there. And, and, and that's all part of life, right? So yep. when things don't work out the way we thought it was going to no. end up, obviously you look at it and go, okay, disappointment. But we learn things from our situations, right. good, bad, or indifferent. So you came back, you kind of got inspired then to yes. go check out another place yes. to get training and right. education for, and Lincoln Tech actually ended up to be the place yes. with an 18-month program yes. it was. yep. Okay. 18 months and and that was a better fit so yes. so again it could be could have been any other place you know wherever it was but this one was a better fit yes. and what do you think made it a better fit for you uh, i think i was back home okay. <laughs> that was number one mm -hmm. I, I just feel like they were leaning more towards career and uh, they, they taught they taught you how to run a shop and time cards and fuel injection systems and engine performance and how to rebuild transmissions and think, you know, while Alfred was, was on carburetors, you know, and I don't, I don't even think Lincoln tech once even mentioned the carburetor. It's just, you know, we, it was, it, it was just more of where I was going, what I was mm -hmm. looking for. And most important, I, I'm not a confident person at all. And most important, they, they just, they built it back up again where I could feel better about going back out into the industry.
So while you're going to school, you you need to work part time yes. at least, right? Yes. What are you doing? I was at uh, Kmart <laughs> as a cash register, mm -hmm. and uh, I made the mistake of walking into the back one day uh, on my break, and they had a forklift parked there, and I was like, "How do I drive that?" And they were like, "Oh, you got to be in the shipping department." I'm like, "Oh, can I go in the shipping department?" And the uh, manager was like, "Well, you're really fast on the register. I'd rather have you up here." I was like, can I please go into the shipping department? <laughs> and uh, after a long time of begging, uh, they transferred me to the shipping and receiving department. And um, that went on for a little while. And then um, I went to Pergament. Uh, and they had uh, better night hours because I was working at uh, you know at school up until like 3, 4 o'clock. I had to fly home. And Pergament had more night hours and restocking shelves and stuff. And they, they hired me completely as a forklift operator nice I, you just you just gave me a flashback <laughs> right to company the big red sign yeah i just i, I, I wow <laughs> that one came to me a moment like i remember that it was yeah. in somerville and it was uh, at least ours was and, and and yeah i don't think i've thought about that store right. since uh so that's interesting all right so you're you're now getting into the shipping department you you've got some comfort around yes the distribution and, right and you know stocking yes. and, and forklifts and all that too all right so how do you move on from there graduated lincoln tech mm -hmm. i was by that point um i had started got a job at sears right. yeah. uh doing tires all through i say the last six months of lincoln tech i was i was at sears by the time I graduated Lincoln Tech, I was already maxed out at Sears doing uh, wheel alignments and front end repairs. As a kid, I, I always I was like, all right, well, I think the best thing for me would be in a dealership. And I kept throwing out applications and trying to get in, and they only wanted people with experience. I'm like, well, how do you want, how am I getting into dealer experience if you're not going to get me, let me in? Finally, uh, a seller Chrysler Plymouth Jeep Eagle on Staten Island accepted me, and I was able mm -hmm. to get in there. And when I gave Sears my my notice, they were like, "Oh, you really shouldn't leave. This is this is pretty much what your skill set is. You you're not going to make it in a dealership." <laughs> well, I'm I'm going to give it a shot. <laughs> ah, that's a confidence booster, right yeah. there. I got to yep. say. So, I don't know. Do you think that was out of motivation just to keep you? Yes. Or, yeah, uh, that was to keep you. Like, no, no, yeah. you're, you're not good enough to go anywhere else. Right. Stay here. Yeah, yeah stay okay. here. Yep. Wow, that's uh, that's interesting. So I can get a letter of recommendation right. or not? I, I, yeah, a tough one. Yeah, uh, but good. Okay, so so now you finally got your foot in the door yes. of an automotive dealership. Yes. So uh, yeah, a friend of mine also worked at Sears and started doing tires and, and worked up to, to right. some other things. And I kind of envied him at, at some time. I, I worked as a mechanics assistant at an Exxon station doing cool. tune-ups and tire changes and yep. things like that too. Uh, but they they did train and and they showed and they kind of moved yes. up things too, um, so it's a good entry level job oh, yeah. and uh, for mechanics and and all that too. But now you're kind of like moving into a more serious minded, right. you know, this is every day, not yes. just tire changes, no. tune ups, oil changes, things like that. So where do you where do you start at a dealership? Um, I can tell you right now that I was so nervous that mm. I still remember my first job was uh, a dead battery on a a Chrysler LeBaron. Mm -hmm. And um, when I put the new battery in, the dome light was stuck on. So I was like, all right, well, the, the light shouldn't be on. And it had a bad door switch. And, you know, change the switch out, and that was it. Let the car go. But it was very, very basic stuff. Mostly I was doing uh, pre-delivery inspections. Okay. So I'd take a new car off the lot, take all the plastic off, 
you know, wash it, clean it, and get it ready for the, for the uh, customer. And little by little, though, you know, I moved up, and uh, I think I was a C mechanic. Just, you know, very light diagnosis, diagnostics and things like that. Okay, so that, that was definitely something I wanted to ask you a little bit more about in this and, and kind of pick your brain on, sure. uh, maybe to educate some other people. But you you kind of labeled some of these jobs, you know, the pre-delivery inspection, PDI, and then C mechanic, right. B mechanic. Yes. And, and we're going to assume, uh, I'll play <laughs> ignorance on this one, that there's an A mechanic. There you go. <laughs> and, uh, wow, it's a stretch. <laughs> um, so tell me a little bit more about what, what are the kind of, the details of some of that stuff is it you know you can only work on certain things you have certain responsibilities and and how does that reflect maybe your your pay well yeah it, it definitely affects your pay if you're in a very good reputable dealership they'll keep you within your skill set and maybe hook you up with a b mechanic if you're a c mechanic and have you you know watch and mm-hmm. b mechanic is more with uh transmissions and dropping transmissions and things like that a mechanic was a lot of diagno- diagnostics and, you know, big problems and big issues with cars. But, yeah, as you moved up, it definitely affected affected your pay. So even with the dealerships and, and they're recognizing, you know, C mechanic, B mechanic, A right. mechanic, they're also giving you training yes. in order to get to that next level as well. Yep. Yeah, okay. definitely. Yeah, they, 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 they didn't really send me anywhere for training or anything like that, but they, they had me work next to another mechanic that was able to to help me out with it with okay. things i had this is kind of like where we get into some of the 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 meat of uh, a lot of the things with with this podcast series right so what affects a career path and how you get from one to another and obviously we've already covered a couple of things it's the beginning it's the training it's your right. entry into a field of right. some sort uh, but also there's a lot of other factors that influence it. It's people right. that, that you're with and maybe some of your coworkers. Right. It could even be family and friends. Yes. It could be a personal circumstance. You know, some people have, uh, I travel too far, I want to be closer, or I'm getting divorced. Right. And, you know, it's a personal situation that kind of dictates a next move. Uh, sometimes it's just a clear blue opportunity. It comes just out of the sky. Right. Hey, how about this? So. Uh, it's always interesting to hear some of those little details about right. how you get from one place to another. Uh, it's not always a direct path. Right, no. You know, so, so some of those. So in the course of uh, 11 years or so from you leaving high school, you've kind of tried a semester at a college and that <laughs> didn't work out. You no. went to Lincoln Tech for 18 months. Right. You've already had a few different part-time jobs yes. kind of leading up there in, in pay and experience right. and and all that, and now you you start working at a dealership, and you've you've had a run there, of of the the balance of that time. So we're probably already in what two three years into yes. from high school, and now you're looking at the next seven or so years, right. maybe thereabouts, until you actually are are where you are now, right? For for the most part. So what along that journey, and you've had a few places yes. you've worked at. Uh, kind of cover some of the ground there between <laughs> okay. between all those different influencing <laughs> factors and, and so um, I feel like a lot was I got just got very lucky uh, for no reason at all a seller called me into the office like you're doing great you don't need to be on the day shift anymore we're gonna transfer you to the night shift and uh, you'll be the B mechanic that's on at night let's go like, oh, it sounds great until I realized it's four to twelve but when I got to the night shift I met uh, Doug Wood, uh, he was unbelievable, great friend. Literally up till up till today, we still talk. He um, was the night shift manager, 
And I, he saw something in me, thank God. And after a few months together of us working at a cellar, he goes, listen, I, I can't stand these night hours. He's like, uh, I'm, I got a job at uh, Major Dodge in Queens. He's like, uh, do you want to come with me? He's like, it's back to day, daytime hours. I was like, yeah, put, sign me up. And I followed him there. That was not a pleasure, pleasant experience in Queens. Uh, the, the people, the, the traffic, it was, it was a nightmare. Again, Doug was like, I, I got a job at uh, Manfredi Chevy Dodge in Brooklyn. He's like, you want to come? I'm like, yes. I went there. I got a uh, Viper certified, which is awesome. That they sent me to Dodge school for. That was that was that was a really good place to be. I was uh, the police car mechanic mm -hmm. and the air conditioning guy. And I took care of all that stuff, and it it was a lot of fun. And then <laughs> again, Doug said, uh, "He goes, I I want to be a manager." He goes, "I, I found a job in uh, in the Bronx at Dick Gidron Ford." He's like, "You want to come?" He goes, "I can get you in as a service writer." I was like, "I don't know anything about service writing." He's like, "You, you didn't know anything about being a mechanic, and here you are." <laughs> he goes, uh, "He goes, you're smart." He goes, "You you can you can do it." He got me in as a service writer, and he completely trained me on it and uh, I would say to this day he's probably one of the best service writers I've ever seen and he he taught me taught me a lot and I uh, I moved up um, I became dispatcher ran the shop unfortunately that's where me and Doug parted and he had some personal issues and he left when he left I got called in the office and they were like uh, can you uh, handle the shop I'm like yeah They're like no no the entire department <laughs> I think I was uh, probably 21 at the time. Yeah. The service manager of a South Bronx uh, car dealership. And it, it worked. It worked. We we became a Blue Oval Ford dealership. And it, it was, again, a, a very big learning experience. How to deal with people and the mechanics and budget. And it was, it was great. And then um, I left there. Uh, I didn't leave there. The dealership... <laughs> We had a, a general manager that we I just did not get along with. We thought it'd be better if I parted ways. I was devastated. I had nowhere to go. I had a cat that I rescued through the cat in the passenger seat of my car and went to my uncle's factory and uh, grabbed my dad. I'm like, Dad, can you find something for me to do here, please, until I find something else? And my dad, you know, I, I think in hindsight, he would have been much happier having me with him, but... He was always afraid that the plant was going to close and, you know, he, he just, I guess he figured the price of manufacturing in, in, you know, the United States and he, um, he got me in and, uh, I was his assistant for about <laughs> three or four days. And then the, uh, the guy who unloads containers called out that day and there was a container sitting in the, the dock and they were like, can you unload it? I said, yeah, I can unload it. I unloaded it, I guess. Compared to the guy who normally does it pretty fast, and that was that was my job. I overhauled the entire warehouse, and I was unloading containers, and that went on again for a while, and that was amazing. That's where I wanted to be, and then my uncle wound up closing uh, again because of the the price of manufacturing. I had to, I had to find something quickly. I got back to the automotive industry and went to uh, Dana Lincoln Mercury on Staten Island. Mm -hmm. That was not a good fit either. <laughs> and then I went to Midas in Queens. But I, again, I knew I had to get back into a, a dealership setting. I went to Island Ford as a service writer. And maybe within 
five, six months, thanks to Doug's training. Uh, I was head service writer. That went on for a while. That was great, too. But Island Ford was just, this is this is your job. You're stuck here, and that's it. There was no, you know, I always try to move up and, you know, advance myself. And there, there, it wasn't going to happen there. So I went to uh, Villa Marin GMC as uh, a shop dispatcher around the shop. I don't know how much you want to get into, but my loony ex-wife ruined that for me <laughs> and uh <laughs> while, say, but good example, yeah. <laughs> and uh while i was um working at villa marin i was towing uh cars on the weekends and at nights and um i wound up working for the tow truck company full-time once i had to leave villa marin i was colonial towing i left colonial towing worked for staten island towing which was cool that was a lot of like heavy trucks and things like that. And then got a job at a junkyard, which uh, that's definitely not for me. I'm not a salesperson at all. And I couldn't get the computer system down pad and it was, it was rough. I left there and uh, one of the guys that I met at Colonial Towing, thank God, called me and he was like, how you doing? I said, horrible. I said, I'm at this junkyard and I hate it. And he was like, well, I, I'm running security for um, a warehouse in Middlesex, Logistic Concepts. He's like, uh, I can get you in as a forklift operator. I'm like, get me in. I went down for an interview, got in right away. Probably about two, three months in, one of the forklifts broke down. Rob was like, uh, you okay? I told the owner that you can work on this stuff. I said, yeah, it's fine. I checked it out, needed brakes, uh, wheel cylinders, took care of it, and that was it. I got called in the office, and the owner was like, this place is a disaster. He's like, you're you're going to be out with Mr. Fix-It. He's like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. whatever you see that's broken, just fix it. Whatever it is, just let me know. I took care of the whole warehouse for a long time. We started getting real busy. We needed more equipment. And uh, my dad actually was dealing with uh, Barkley way back in in 1985 he bought a Yale from them so I I knew you know of Barkley we bought a Yale while I was working for the dealerships so I said you know what I'm I'm gonna call them up but I I wanted to make sure I didn't look like I was too partial and we uh we got a demo for a Nissan and a TCM also and Barkley sent over brand new trucks they were gorgeous and Nissan sent over a pretty decent truck the TCM was a disaster that overheated like a day or two in. We parked that, and it came down to the Yale and the Nissan, but I, I picked Yale. We got two Yales into the building. The check engine light came on on the Yale maybe six months in. It turns out if you use the wrong propane, it, it'll trip a check engine light. The mechanic that came down, uh, Timmy Snyder, a uh, really good guy to work on it. I had the manuals, and he was like, I, I can't believe how much you know about this truck. He's like, I don't even know this much about this truck yet. <laughs> And uh, he wound up going back to the service manager, telling him about me. And when the field engineer came down, the service manager came down with him. And the manager was like, listen, he goes, I, I can get you out of this warehouse into into a, a company that can really use you. And I was like, uh, we'll see. Uh, I got a, a job from my friend Chad while I was at the, the warehouse. And he was like, bro, he's like, you have an opportunity to go work at a dealership. It's like, look around, you're stuck in a warehouse. And I was like, yeah, but they, they you know, I, I, I'm, I'm an integral part here. You know, they, I, I want to make sure I don't, don't want to just be a number. And he's like, I, I don't think you're going to be a number. He's like, just just go for it. Give it a shot. 
and it was it was the best decision I ever made in my life, and that's that was it, man. I wound up wound up at Barkley. There you go. We've come full circle. So yeah, and here you are. That was a lot of info. I'm sorry. No, well, it, it, okay, so it is, but but that's that's the good part about this because as I stated before, we just started this section. There's a number of reasons, you know, how we get to where we are, right? And and the influences on us, and you know, you started out. By finding a good person to kind of follow, to latch yes. onto, it became a good friend. Yep. Um, but at first, it's it's a work partner, yes. you know, and, and someone to learn from. So I remember when I started my very first job at Acme Markets, and I was unloading trucks and, and all that. And I became friends with uh, the, uh, a couple of guys that, that were also unloading trucks. <clears throat> they weren't the best influence. <laughs> and I remember very vividly one day, uh, I had a, a general manager... Um, his name was Dick, that, that came up to me and, and pulled me aside and said, be careful of who right. you know you work with and what you do and, and, and who's influencing you and all that too. Um, and we've had some other discussions you know, along the way. And, and he, like a few other people in our lives, kind of like see potential right. and, and want the best and, and do that. And part of latching on to someone that you can learn from yes. and do from is, is a very common thing to do. Yeah. Very important thing to yes. do. And, and you find those. And when you find yourself in situations, and like I said, you just ran the gamut of all the influences <laughs> that, that could possibly be right. So who to latch onto, who right. to learn from. He left, went to another company, asked you to come yes. with him and, yep. and you did, and you trusted yes. him enough to, to, to follow him and where he was going. And sometimes it worked out and yes. sometimes it didn't. Uh, other times it's the rest of the people we work with. You've worked in situations where you didn't get along with right. you know, a number of people and, yes. and that's a real situation. Yep. I mean, it's just how we work with people and, and the dynamic that we fit into. Like it or not, you know, nobody ever works in, a, in their own little bubble, right. right? It's never a vacuum. You work with other people. Yes. It's usually a team situation of some yes. sort. And if part of that team is not really working well, right. uh, it could throw the entire team yes. off and, and yourself. Then you make other decisions. You know, do I want to work here? Do I want to go there? Do I want to be a number? Right. Or do I want to be, you know, something else? You felt uh, that that commitment to that company in the yes. warehouse because you were an integral part right. of that, that member. But you kind of outweighed that with the decision yes. of going to a dealership yes. in, in that particular career field that you really wanted to follow into yep. and saw the potential of that. Uh, so, you know, just little things, you know, sometimes it's, it's out of the blue or an opportunity. Can you fix that? Yes, I can. Right. Oh, by the way, you know, from now <laughs> yeah. on, that's your job. That's your job. Yep. And, and you suddenly get into it like, Hey, how did I get here? <laughs> well, it was funny one day, <laughs> right. you know, that was it. Uh, and that happens more than we know. So that's, that's just fate kind of, yes. you know, playing in there and, and you having the skills and knowledge in order to do that. Right. But it's what you enjoy doing. You yes. opted to do that. You yes. volunteered your services enough <laughs> in some situations where, hey, I can do that. Right. And you did. Yeah. So you perform. So kind of always being on your game yeah. uh, is, is you know, a, a very big part of yes. it as well. And then there's the, the personal side to it, you know. And, and unfortunately, you know, a personal situation kind of had you yeah. leave one job to go to another. Yes. But that also happens yep. uh, often as well to, to many people. So yeah. for whatever reason, so that it's interesting, you know, <laughs> I, you, you say you did a lot, you did, you <laughs> yeah. obviously did a lot, but you did it for the various reasons. And I just feel like if you take any of those out, I feel like it would have, it would have changed, changed my trajectory, or, you know, 
move. I, I just everything about this was the timing was was perfect. Right. I, it's it's amazing because you're right. Change one of those elements, right. and yep. and who knows where you would have been at that, that right. time. You know, had you never left one of the companies. Yes. You know, you could be there today. Right. You know, or or often doing something completely different. Yep. Who knows? So let's just talk real quick. I, I knew you gave me a, a list of uh, certifications that you had since there. I know we talked about it earlier uh, that you have internal combustion units from 3,000 to 36,000 pounds, electric three-wheel sit-down, four-wheel sit-down, electric stand-up, electric pallet jacks, brake systems, transmission and drive systems, electric truck drive units, forklift steering systems, and you have a CDL as well. Yes. So that uh, they're all uh, important pieces yes. of of the job here, yeah. and and you've gotten the training in there yes. to get the certification. Yep. Uh, and on any given day, you'll use some, if not all, of these right. things, right? Yeah, I mean, and again, what I love most about the job is that you never know. Like I, I pulled up in front of my house on a Friday afternoon, thinking I was going to go fix the lights in the in the building on Saturday, and I got a call that. Uh, Someone was driving a genie lift and over an elevator um, mm-hmm. hole, and the plywood let go, and the half the machine is in the is in. I had to go out the next day with a flatbed, a rental, and go rescue the machine. I mean, it's it just changes from minute to minute. Wow, so you never know. No, uh, you never know. <laughs> yeah. So in this kind of job, you can work in the shop and you can work on the road. Yes, you can do both. Yep. Okay. Wow. Yeah, it depends on, you know, if, if you come in and you say, I really would rather be a shop tech, your set of skills and responsibilities will be more towards rebuilding mass and pulling engines out and transmissions and things like that. If you're more on the road, you're going to be diagnose, diagno, diagnostics and maintenance and, uh, you know, tires and things like that. The the real big jobs that, that are not feasible to do on the road is going to be more of a shop shop job okay great all right so i just have a maybe a few more quick questions sure. to kind of wrap this up um the one being that you know andrew Leibowitz, you're uh you're not anywhere near retirement yet no. uh there's still a lot of gas left in this tank so <laughs> what's less what, what what other ground haven't you covered in your career or other things you want to achieve or possibly do or Maybe not even you have to, but, you know, what's in the list of possibilities? Uh, list of possibilities? I mean, I, I am very passionate about this, and I feel like this this career saved my life. I don't know what I would have done without it. Um, I guess maybe training or, um, you know, maybe broadening someone else's horizons, um, kind of paying it forward. Um, I I was very happy uh, running, running the shop. I, I ran the shop during um, during COVID. Um, I ran the warehouse, you know, unloaded trucks, moved stuff around. Um, and that was, that was great too. Um, I want to be valuable to Barkley wherever they need me when I'm too old and feeble to do this job, <laughs> they could, they can count on me to be there. The thinking man, what to do, where to go. <laughs> hey, where to right. put I'm a facilitator. Now. Yes. I just do things. That's, that's it. it. <laughs> yes. That's good. That's good. I'm sure there's a, you're, you're a valued employee right. for, for what you do. All right, now this interview itself is is starting to pay it forward in some ways, but we're going to get specific right now. Sure. And you talk to uh, anyone who's looking to start a career and, and do that. So, 
in general terms about finding your passion or just being successful in any career of your choice, what are some of the elements that, that you would relate from your own experience of what, what makes it work? What, what makes it successful? I think um, don't get frustrated. Uh, you're going to encounter hurdles. You're going to encounter people that are going to tell you that you're only good for showing up on time. Um, I think if you uh, want to do this job and you want to give it your best, don't let anyone stop you. Don't let anything stop you. And keep trying, keep pushing. And I, I think you're going to, you'll, you'll, you'll make it, you'll succeed. And now, now I can say, you know what? I, I was better than Sears. I, I am better than showing up just on time. And you know, it, 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 it gives you a good feeling inside. Good. Good. Thank you. That's, that's a great piece of advice. Um, so now my last question is for those specifically, this is, you know, they're tuning in this, obviously hear your story but one of the things that's going to lead him here is forklift technician right so if anyone's thinking like oh maybe i want to do that or maybe i want to pass this on to somebody else what's the advice you give to people that want to come into this profession and and do this follow it up as a career you know what do you tell the the newer people in order to do that what advice um have good tools <laughs> um and be willing to learn every day um, it's going to change things, you know, you can do 10 sets of load wheels on, on machines and it's a, you know, simple, relatively simple job. And it could be different on every, every truck, a pin won't come out. You know, it's be, be, you know, willing to learn, be open to learning. And, and I think you, you'll, you'll make it in the forklift industry. Definitely. That's great. Good. Good. All right. So. Sounds relatively simple enough, I yes. think, right? So, all right, I think I'm ready to enter this field. That's good. I'm looking forward to it. I will Come right start. in. I'm, this is uh, Thursday. Uh, I'll start Monday. You got so, it. We'll get good. you. We'll get a van set up for you. All right. Thank you. I appreciate that. I just wanted to say that the people that got me to Barkley, uh, the people that were integral in getting me to Barkley, are just as important as the people at Barkley that are keeping me. They have an amazing management staff. Cassandra is the parts and service director. She's, you know, my direct boss. Her support is everything. Uh, she's extremely smart. So I feel like if she is supportive of me, I must say something. And uh, the the uh, the CEOs uh, know my name. You know, Bernie walks around asking me how I'm doing, how my kids are. Bob Masucci tells me that I have hands of gold. And, uh, you know, that, that kind of appreciation goes, goes a long way. My fellow mechanics are amazing. You know, I'm never worried about being in over my head because I just got to make a phone call and someone else has my back. It's a, it's a great, great company to be at. All right, Andrew Leibowitz, thank you so much for doing this interview. We, we've certainly learned a lot and you have great things to say. My pleasure. Uh, I think a lot of people will, will get a lot of mileage out of this. So uh, you've done a great service here. You're paying it forward, my friend. <laughs> thank you. Appreciate it. All right, thank you. Take care. All right. That wraps up this episode of Between the Bullet Points. My name is Sean McDonald, and it's my hope that these career stories can enlighten and inspire people that may be contemplating career choices or changes. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on this podcast, please email us at betweenthebulletpoints at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. This has been a production of The Resume Project regarding careers, resumes, and what happens between the bullet points.